20 through 29, and this was what it says. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother would have not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when, he, when she said, had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master has come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Lord, we thank you for your word. We ask for liberty in this house and anointing to preach the word of God. And we pray that which you so will this morning would come to pass, that we would submit to your will today. We ask these things in the powerful name of Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. It's good to see everybody here today. We want to get right into the word of the Lord. The Lord has really laid a, a sermon on my heart that is, is very much a burden. It's been a burden on me all week, and I believe that the Lord is going to minister to you here today. And as we all know, this story is the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. It's, it's a story that we read most, uh, most of the time and very quite often. And I want our focus to go a little bit different direction than normal when we begin to read the story. I want us to focus on two main thoughts today. The first one is found in the first part of this chapter in its introduction to the miracle of Lazarus resurrection. We all focus on the resurrection itself because that's the powerful event that takes place. But all too often we miss the significant events that lead up to that event. We all want a resurrection, but we don't want to go through the process in order to get it. How many want a resurrection here today? Something re resurrected within your life. Then you got to go through the process and the journey in order to receive that. First of all, in John chapter 11 verse 3, it says concerning Lazarus' sickness, it says, therefore his sister sent unto him saying, Lord, Behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Here we see that Mary and Martha sends a message to Jesus and tells him that Lazarus, his friend, is sick. And no doubt they expected to see Jesus coming because first of all, he knew that Jesus loved Lazarus and they knew that Jesus had a special relationship with him. And the problem, however, came when upon hearing, Jesus hearing that is, their petition, he delayed his coming to them. Jesus did not drop everything everything that he was doing and come running at their command as they thought or supposed that he would because they knew that he loved Lazarus and thought, man, we'll just ask him and Jesus will respond and, and come running to us. And the Bible says that he abode two more days where he was and then he departed and went over into Judea for a few days. It wasn't until four days after Lazarus had died that Jesus finally shows up to their house as a result of their petition. And this is where our text comes in and my question to you as a congregation this morning is this. Number one, what happens to your faith when there's a delay in Jesus coming to your request? What happens when Jesus does not operate upon your timetable and he does not meet all of your expectations? Are you going to treat his delays as denials and abort the possibility of your promise? Or are you going to be able to see past the delays and see the promise of his deliverance? It's not easy to believe when it seems like that God has not come through, especially after you've beseeched him like and petitioned him like Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha had petitioned the presence of Jesus to come and to heal their brother Lazarus. And there's been many a times that I have prayed and I have sought and I have petitioned and I've asked, I've begged, I've done everything that I know to do and yet God seemed not to work on my timetable and God seemed not to come through when I wanted him to through in the way and wanted him to come through the way I wanted him to come through and the way that I had visioned it. And then not only, they not only believed that Jesus could, but they believed that Jesus would because they believed Jesus loved Lazarus in a special way. John 11 and 3 says, the one that thou lovest is sick. You know, the one that you've ate with, the one that you've slept with, the one that has funded your ministry, the one that has been hospitable to you and invited him into your house. That was a 
common thing with Jesus and Lazarus. You, you know, there are people in my life that I can call because I have influence. And because I have influence, I can get things done that I need maybe help in helping somebody or whatever. I just make a phone call. And because it's who I am, I have influence with that person and they make something happen. Vice versa, there are people that call me that I've got in, that have influence over my life that I try to help. And that's what they thought about Jesus. Hey, man, Lazarus is the one that Jesus really loves. And if he's going to respond to anybody, he's going to respond to Lazarus. Let me stop right here and say, if Jesus didn't just run at the command of Martha and Mary and, and run to the Lazarus, it wasn't because Jesus didn't love Lazarus, because even at the tomb, when he got there and he wept, even the people that was around there, even the Jews said, oh, how he loved him. And just because there's a day does not mean that God does not love you and he is not considered of your problems. Can I have an amen? It's not about a lack of love at all. Have you ever been let down when you had a high expectation of God doing something and he didn't come through when you thought he needed to come through and the way that you thought he should come through? It's kind of odd and ironic right now. God is really beginning to critique my life in a lot of different ways. But one of the ways he's critiquing my life is that this year, over a period of last at least four to five months, God has been stirring in me. He's been doing a work in me. He's been moving in my life in a personal way and that's got nothing to do with pastoring necessarily or nothing to do with my relationship with my family. It's got to do with my trust and my faith and my relationship in him. And one of the things that he was doing is he began to put things in my spirit and I would know it. I would just know it. I'd just say, yep, that's what God's going to do. Yep, that's what God's going to, that's what's about to come to pass. Yep, this is going to transpire. That's going to transpire. And it's like I have a revelation, a light bulb that's just been going on in my spirit. And a lot of those things God will not even allow me to talk about. He won't even let me speak them to anybody or confess them to anybody or nothing. And yet on the flip side of the coin, some of those things are so real and so magnificent that I could prophesy them and I know that they're going to come to pass. The only problem of it is that there's few of the times I have sat there and thought, God, it didn't happen. What in the world took place? Because I thought at a certain time all of these things were going to happen. And God has revealed just because that I have revealed something to you and just because you had a certain feeling about it when I did does not mean that I'm going to operate on your timetable. I am God and I'm going to operate on my timetable. How many understands that there's a timetable of God? Amen? And we got to learn that timetable. But first of all, the second thing and the most important thing that I want us to see is found in verses 23 through 26. I wanted to read the whole chapter because we're going to be going throughout that chapter. But listen to verse 23. Jesus said to her, thy brother shall live again. And Martha said to him, I know she's going to live again at the last day, at the last resurrection. And Jesus said, no, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And then he looks at her and says, whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Do you really believe this, Martha? Now, as I begin to see how that Martha had responded to Jesus' delayed, uh, delayed presence, I thought to myself, how many of us have failed in our faith the same way that old Martha had failed? Because Martha failed miserably in this text when you begin to really uh, un uh, uncover it. When Jesus gives Martha the promise of her brother living again, she responds by saying this, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And prior to this statement, upon Jesus' very arrival, Martha made this statement in verse 21. She says, Lord, if thou would have been here four days earlier, my brother would have lived. In other words, uh, you're four days late. That's what he tells her. When I seen this, it seemed like the Holy Spirit began to say to me, this is what happens to my people when I don't show up on their timetable and meet their expectations. They negate the promise today due to the letdown of yesterday or they abort the possibilities of today for the sake of tomorrow. Now listen to this. Martha's faith was in the past. If you would have been here four days ago, my brother lived, that's a lost opportunity. That's something you can never recover. It's done happening. It's over. There's no hope. It's all done. It's all sealed. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever prayed about something that didn't come through when you thought and then when it didn't come through like you thought, you just buried it. You pronounced death over it. This ain't never going to happen. How many of us have ever done that? I have. You have because we're all human. Some of you are sitting out there at a grave right now weeping over something that had died and yet the resurrection of life stands right there at the grave with you right here today. I'm here to tell you that God, whoo, God's about to do something in this house. However, well, I want you to know something else. Mary's faith was saying, hey, 
pray in the past, uh, if you would have been here, things would have been different. However, when Jesus presented to her the possibility of Lazarus living again, her faith then jumps to the present. She said, I know that he's going to live again in the resurrection in the very last days. In other words, uh, yeah, I believe that if you'd been here four days ago we lived, but I also believe, yeah, you said he's going to live again, but he's going to live at the last day, at the last trump, at the last resurrection. She said faith, she had faith in the past. She had faith in the future, but she could not see the possibility of the present. And that's what the Holy Ghost is speaking to me here today. That you as a congregation and me as a pastor, we look back to our past and we reflect and we gain strength from it. We look in our future with hope and expectation, but there's no nothing like the present day that God can work right here, right now on your behalf. Can I have, I'm about to preach here this morning. It's easy to believe in something behind you. It's easy to believe and declare and decree something in your future because you're always pronouncing something that's going to be. You're always speaking something that's going to happen out there in the future. That's easy. But I want to tell you, it's hard to believe in the here, in the now, when it's in your face. Can I have an amen? The past is your memory. The future is your promise. But the here and now is your reality. It's where you and I actually live. It's the daily grind. It's the shadows that we deal with. It's the doubts, the fears, the circumstances, the visions, everything that comes against us. This is why Hebrews 11 and 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidences of things not seen. I love how that faith is what? It's the substance of things hoped for and it's the evidences of things not seen. But I want you to notice, I don't think that the word now was put in the beginning of that verse by accident. Now faith. Did you hear that? Now faith. I want you to know it's, it is the now faith that produces results. Not yesterday's faith and not the future faith. It's the faith that we possess right now that matters. Come on somebody, help me preach. And God has given to every man the measure of faith that it takes to see the miracle. Every single one of us has the measure of it. We can build our faith. Faith coming by hearing and hearing the word of God. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. And also we know, according to Jude verse 20, that we can build up our most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. But I want you to understand the now faith that is in this building, the energy that I have felt, the expectation that I have felt, the anticipation that I have felt in this service during worship, the presence of God that I have felt should make us rise to believe that today is something that is special, that God is about to move and that God is doing the work in our present situation and that he's not only a God of yesterday and he's not only the God of the future, but he's a God of the now. If you believe that, stand to your feet and give him praise. Come on, give him praise like you mean it. Hallelujah. Whoa, yes. How many felt the presence of the Lord here this morning? Can I have a witness? Amen, all right, you have felt it. How many sensed the presence of the Lord? How many have seen the manifestation of the Lord already in this service? Of course we have, we, most all of us have, but can I tell you, we have to realize that there's always a reason behind presence. Can I have, can I have an amen? If there's a manifestation of God's presence, it's always tied to a purpose. God does not show up to just entertain us, but he has a divine plan and a purpose of his presence, a working that he wants to do among us. When Martha, when Martha proclaims that Jesus was four days late, she, realized, she didn't realize it, but she was actually having a prophetic word, or I should say a rhema word. You say, how in the world can that be a rhema word? The number four in scripture derives its meaning from creation. It was on the fourth day of what we know as the creation week that God completed what we call the material universe. It was on the fourth day that he brought into existence the sun, the moon, and the stars. And then he tells you the purpose for that. The purpose was not only for the moon to give light and the sun to give light, but it was to divide the day from the night on earth. It was on the fourth day of creation that God set time in motion and it would establish what we would call divine order. It established what we know and call days, 
years, and seasons. It's where we get our seconds, our minutes, our days, our weeks, our months from. It established what we know as time. Interesting enough, the Hebrew word used to describe seasons in the book of Genesis 1.14 is the word moed, which translated it means in an appointed time or a divine appointment. Jesus wasn't coming by just to make small talk with Mary and Martha. He didn't come by just to give his condolences. He didn't come by to visit the grave or the tomb of Lazarus. He didn't come to bring flowers. Come on, somebody help me preach. He didn't come by to bring a meal and say, I'm sorry about what happened. He didn't come to do what we would call damage control because the pastor, the minister was late and he allowed a man to die and he's doing damage control to try to keep up the tithes and offerings to help fund his ministry. Come on, somebody help me preach. He came by because he had a greater purpose in mind. He had something greater in mind. And let me tell you, when God comes in to your world, he's got something greater in mind than what you even got in mind for yourself. God loves you. Can I have an amen? Jesus wasn't late, nor was he early. He was right on time. Jesus was there by divine appointment. Jesus showed up at his appointed time, even though it did not seem like it in the natural. When the things that you got dreamed up in the natural and the physical realm don't come to pass does not mean that God is not going to show up. Can I have an amen? God's miracles will not happen out of season. They're gonna happen when it's the appointed time, the divine time. That's why Hebrews chapter two, verse four says, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, listen, according to his own will. It's not about how we will it and design it. It's about how he wills it and design it. And then we submit to his will and his agenda for our lives. God is here as a one in me as a pastor to give a ray of hope, not in your past, not about your future, but about your very present. God is about to do something. Do you really believe that? I want to build your faith. Folks, we're right here, right now, in the breeding grounds of miracles. We are tiptoeing through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He's dripping on us. He's raining on us. He's visiting us. There's divine presence in this house. Honor him, respect him, fear him. Can I have amen? Most of the time, we cannot see the divine appointments of today due to us not recognizing what's before us. Sometimes we cannot see what's standing before us today due to our letdown of our expectations of yesterday. Come on now. This happens so much of the body of, to, to the body of Christ. Why is it when things don't happen the way that we think they should happen or when we think they should happen, we lose sight in its possibility of ever happening at all? Amen? Some of you are having a hard time believing today because of the letdowns of yesterday. The discouragements, the letdowns, the disappointments, the frustrations. We've all been there. You know, all of our faith has been challenged. Come on. So what do we do to explain or justify our lack of expectation and the results? You know, we push it off in the distant future as something that will happen within our eternity. And we do this to make justifiable excuses and room for our faith and keep, we want to keep a status as believer because we don't want to be viewed as a failure or someone who has no faith. So because something didn't happen yesterday, we can't believe for today. So what we do is because of our lack of faith today, we just kind of make this excuse. We paint a picture. We give a reason and we create an element of logic for the faith of why there was no miracles by saying, oh, it's going to happen in our future. It's going to happen tomorrow. Come on. We have to somehow, we feel like that we have to protect our image. And the word image comes from the word imagination and the Bible says they have no image before us. Why is it that we create religious images in our minds about the move of God, which is imagery, which is idolatry? Come on, somebody help me preach. When we try to package it, design it, put it in, into place and make it happen the way we want it to happen, it's idolatry. It is us asserting our will and our design over God's will and God's design. And you know what? It's not a coincidence that the pastor come by to preach to you about today's possibilities because that's what's on God's mind today. 
I'm not here just to blow wind and I'm not here just to build you up to let you down. I'm here to tell you, you got a possibility standing right before you. You got a promise for today. Amen. But our problem is because we don't get what we want in the past, we try to create these excuses and we paint, well, it's gonna happen within our future and what we're worried about is our image. We're more interested about our image than we are our impression that we make. It's all about we gotta keep an image about ourselves. Come on, somebody help me preach. We're more concerned with what we look like than what we're actually reflecting from our lives. We like to act the part, but we don't like to be the part. We like to say we really have faith and we put on these facades by speaking about, oh, about what God done in my past. Woo, 10 years ago, God visited. Oh, and what God's got in my future. Well, my question is, real faith operates and what's God doing to you today? Come on, somebody help me preach. So what do we do to justify our lack of manifestation? We create spiritual narrative clothed with common sense to explain away the miraculous. So what do we do? We say, it's gonna happen in the future. It's gonna happen in eternity. This causes us to make limited and conditional room in our lives for that which is miraculous for today. Come on, somebody here. Are you with me tonight? The Holy Spirit just wanted me to tell somebody here today. I wanna tell you what he told me. He said, do not abort your today's possibility for the sake of your tomorrow's promises. Did you hear me? Do not abort today's possibilities for the sake of your tomorrow's promises. We cannot afford to look forward to something in the future at the expense of what's right here, right now, right in front of us. You know what Jesus said? Take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought of itself, the sufficiency of the days, the evil thereof. He said to look forward and try to plan it out and scheme it out and and design it and package it and manipulate it and manufacture it. He said it's nothing but evil. Take no thought for tomorrow. He said, you better take advantage and seize the day of opportunity today. Come on, somebody help me preach. We cannot live in our future, but we have to live in our present day that the Lord has given us. That's why the psalmist said, Psalms 118 verse 24, he said, this is the day that the Lord has made. And then he makes a conscious decision. I really rejoice therein. I'm not gonna wait till tomorrow to praise him. I'm not gonna wait from a week from now to give him glory for what he's done. Right now's the day of praise. Right now's the day of expectation. Right now's the day of expectancy. Right now's the day of the working of miracles. Right now's the day of visitation. Right now's the day that God's got a design plan to bring about his perfect will in your life. Today, 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 today. Receive it, church. Breathe on them, Holy Ghost. Receive the promise of today. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We gotta take advantage of the day. We gotta seize its opportunities. We gotta see everything the day has to offer us. Most of us just blindly walk through the day hoping tomorrow will get here. Come on, somebody. Martha didn't realize it, though delayed, yet Jesus was there due to her petition. Amen? If they had not petitioned him, he would have never even showed up. Why and how is it that we can pray, ask, and even believe and expect and anticipate like that of Mary and Martha, yet when it doesn't happen when we think or come the way that we pictured it, then we fail to recognize the visitation altogether when it does come. He comes among us, it's just a, well, we don't even recognize it because we're blinded to the fact, all because we'd already had these letdowns and these disappointments. Jesus shows up, we don't even recognize it. Why he's there? Come on. Why do we abort things because they didn't happen the way we imagined it? And why don't we see Jesus' delayed visitation as a result of our petition? They didn't expect anything because they prayed and he didn't come. They already thought that was a denial. They didn't even recognize when Jesus is there, it was a result of what they were praying about. They did not tie his presence and his coming to the promise of Lazarus. But that's why he was there. 
Matter of fact, when he was over there where he, and, and they come and petition, they said, are we going to go to him? And Jesus said, no. Ah, he's not dead. He just sleepeth. He's just waiting for me to show up. Come on. He's just taking a rest for a few days. I'm giving him a vacation on life. He's had a hard time. I'm giving him four days in a grave of rest. Come on. And Jesus looks at him and says, but when I get there, there's gonna be a greater glory revealed. When I get there, they're not gonna be able to say it wasn't a divine miracle. Because when I get there, he's gonna stink in four days. But when I get done with him, he's gonna be the flower bud of the resurrection. One of the first fruits of my workings in the sense of raising somebody from the dead. Can I have an amen? Oh, help me Lord to preach right here. But we see that even though Martha failed, she never realized his attendance was tied to the request for his presence. But at least Martha showed up. Mary did not even show up. Now God can deal with skepticism, but he can't deal with doubt. We've all been skeptical. We've always wondered, we've always looked into things. We've not always believed to the full extent of faith. God can work with our skepticism, but he can't work with our doubt. Doubt will keep you from the presence of God. Doubt kept Mary at home, but skepticism got a little bit in the side of Mary to where she got curious. Skepticism is not always bad. It can rob you, but I want to tell you what skepticism will do. It'll make you look into something, and the more you look into it, watch out. It'll bite you before it's over with. Faith will rise. Faith will come. Hope will spire up. When you begin to study the scripture, it's impossible. When you begin to peek in to who Jesus is, when you begin to start saying, I don't understand all this, I'm a little skeptical, all this religious is Pentecostal stuff, I don't know about it, but if you'll tiptoe in it and walk in it, even maybe with a little skepticism, watch out, you're gonna come into the power of the reality of who Jesus is. Can I have an amen? Oh, hallelujah. Mary was so distraught, angry, upset, let down. She didn't even show up at his, at his coming. The Bible tells us that. And due to what they considered late presence, they could not see present possibilities, nor could they see the day's opportunities. The question I have for you today, though let down in your past, how are you going to respond to his presence today? Oh, I believe yesterday, but I got a bad report last night on the phone. I believed a week ago, but things got worse instead of better. I believe, but you know, the symptoms show back up. None of us expect those things to happen, but they do. Letdowns come, disappointments rock our world. Last December, I just knew God was gonna do something in a certain time that I felt in my spirit, it didn't happen. It just didn't happen. So did that make me question God altogether and say, well, what in the world? We all got those kinds of moments. Well, we see his today's presence as a result of yesterday's petition. And can we look past all of the frustration and say, though he did not show up when we thought last week, yet today is the appointed time. Today's the fourth day. The day's divine order. Come on. See, when God gives me a message, folks, it's not just here to say, well, that's a good message, but the message that he's trying to give to you is reality to you here today. Today, some people's got a promise. Can I have an amen? So what? That he didn't show up the first 50 times that he called you, he showed up today. <laughs> he's here now. The question is, that why did, what, what would you have done with him 10 days ago? What are you gonna do with his presence now? The real question is, how are you gonna to respond to the presence today and the opportunity that lies before you right here in this service? How many believes that God's confirming his word right here today that what I'm preaching is true? You believe it's true? Shout if you believe it's true. Okay, we got a witness out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, everything shall be established. So be it, it's done. We're gonna believe in the miraculous here this morning. I believe in the miraculous here this morning. I believe this is the day that's gonna happen. There's so many Christians making the same mistakes as Martha and Mary. 
They're walking about in the day looking, groping, seeing a better future, speaking a better future, declaring a better future as if things are going to get better and brighter and more productive out there in a faraway place, in a distant land, and in another time. Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be. They constantly live lives in a dream world instead of a real faith world, believing that there's success and victories in front of them but they cannot grasp the victory that lies right in front of them in the here and now through the person of Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen? They cannot reach today's possibilities because they're focusing on embracing for their future expectations. They're always looking to what God is going to do, but the real question, what is God doing now? We always, God's going and God's going and I'm saying God is, God is, God is. Amen? And too often while we're looking for the things to change, we fail to start the process of that change. Today I'm prophesying over somebody. Today is the beginning of the starting point of something new for somebody. Today. Not tomorrow. Not a week from now. Not a month from now. Today is the starting point of a miracle for your life. It's in motion. You've got to activate it. We're going to talk about that in a minute. You know, dreamers are always embracing what they believe will be, but abort what can be right here, right now. The problem with this is they never catch up to their future because their present is always before them. And what I mean by that, folks, when you wake up in the morning, tomorrow will be your future or your present. Amen. We're saying, well, tomorrow God's going through too. The only problem is when we wake up tomorrow, it's our present again. And we can't catch up to our future because every day becomes a new day of present. And every day that's a new day of present, we just keep pushing off and we're never able to keep up. Then we lose faith. We get disheartened because after 20 years of doing that, it never comes to pass of the things that we desire because we can't believe. Never come to the realization that we can believe for the day. Somewhere, you've got to quit thinking that it's going to come tomorrow and start believing it's here, it's now. Right here's the time. The waters are troubled. I've got to activate my faith and I've got to get in to where the miracle can happen. I've got to start the process. Amen? The working of miracles. So many people get upset with God like that Amerian thing. I ain't even gonna go out there. What good is it? Come on. She didn't even show up when he came because her dream died due to, to, due to delay. Therefore, there's no response from her at all. Her doubt kept her in the house. And the question is, what have we done in our present right now to see today's promise and opportunity? Are you going to engage this morning? Or are you just going to let this be another church service? Well, this is a way of life. I've had this for 30 years. I don't care. It's time for it to go if you've had it for 30 years. Amen? This is what happens to dreamers. They're always living in the future at the expense of their today possibilities. And everybody asks all the time, what happened to the days of signs and wonders? Let me answer that question by saying this. Did you know that God has never stopped moving? The problem is the church will to stop believing and stop responding. God ain't quit signs and wonders are happening all over the world and they might as well start at the palace of praise in the United States. Let's kick something off. Let's start right here, right now. Quit waiting for it to break out over town. Let it happen. Let rain on us, oh Holy Spirit. Fall on us. Breathe on us. Do what you got. Shake us. Let it suddenly happen. Whatever. Design it. Package it. Every way you want to do Lord, let it happen right here, right now. Amen. I'm ready for it. I'm expecting it. It's going to happen. The dreamer's faith is exercised in what's going to be and not by what's beginning or starting or happening right now. Look at verse 23. Jesus says, thy brother shall rise again. This is the difference in vision and dreamers. Dreams speaks of the future. You're dreaming out there. Vision sees the realm of reality. You're to mark it down and run with it. That's what vision is. It's for the now. Isn't that what Habakkuk says? Make your vision, make it plain, write it on tables, that he that has the vision can run with it. Young men see visions. Old men just kind of dream about it. I'm gonna be a I'm gonna I'm gonna be a visionary because I want to stay young. Amen. My wife's always trying to keep me running. And you wouldn't believe some of the garb she goes and buys and expects me to wear. Good night. 
We are living in a time that you and I have got to quit dreaming about the possibility of what can be is going to be and start having a vision of what God's doing right now. See God at what he's doing. Come on, don't, don't let me lose you right here. Dreams speak of the future. Vision sees the realm of the present. Martha's dream was seen in verse 24. Martha said, oh, I know he's gonna rise again in the last day at the last trump. But notice that how that Jesus tries to take her from dreaming to seeing. He says in verse 25, no, 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 Martha, you got it wrong. I'm the resurrection, I'm the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Jesus wanted Martha to become a visionary instead of a dreamer by showing her today's possibility. It doesn't matter how much you believe in a hopeful future or what kind of a glorious vision that you have embraced and believe for your family and for your, your home and for whatever. Your choices today will always affect your tomorrows and determine your outcome for your future. Something, everything that is ever great or comes to pass always state starts at a moment of decision in the present. Somewhere you gotta make up the mind. At that crucial moment's when things start and it'll always start in your reality, in your world of where you live in your present. So you might as well get off the bandwagon and say today's the day I'm gonna start believing. Amen, or nothing's ever gonna happen. It's just gonna be a, always pushing things forward, always pushing things forward. Even though your vision for the future may be in God's plan, yet you will never reach it if you don't see God in where you're at today. You know, the problem of it is the future always looks more attractive than the present. How do I know? When I was a kid, I wanted to be a teenager. Can't wait till I drive. When I became a teenager, I can't wait to get 21 and be an adult and be on my own. When I came 21, I can't wait to retirement where I can take my ease. And now I'm almost getting there and I'm thinking, why in the world did I dream my world away and nothing ever come to pass? And that's where we're finding ourselves in the faith. Always the future's more attractive. There ain't nothing more attractive than where you're at right now. This is a glorious day. This is a day that the Lord has made. This is the day of your window of opportunity. This is the day that God unlocks the door that's been locked. This is the day that Christmas comes, honey. This is the day that God wants to rain it out. This is the day that God wants to show up. This is the day that God wants to bring about a miracle in your life and begin the process of something wonderful for you. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Let me just dance a little bit. Is that all right? Oh, hallelujah. In order for something to happen in your future, you have to respond to your present sometime. Every future starts, every future event starts somewhere in your present in the now. It's when you make that choice. Verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard, say heard. What does what does Hearing the word of, do, word of God do. Faith coming by hearing. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, something began to spark in Martha. Didn't marry. She went and met him. But Mary still sat in the house. The miracle would not have happened if it had not been for Martha responding and meeting Jesus' presence that day. Her faith moved her into action. Somebody's faith got to move them into action today. You can sit back there all you want and get disengaged from this service and you can say, I can't wait till he stops preaching so I can run out of here. And the problem of it is you're going to come back here next Sunday the same way you left and you're going to keep griping about why God ain't ever doing anything for you. Or you can say, today's my day. The roast can burn. Cotons can wait. But the door of opportunity that lies before me right now cannot. The angels trouble the waters and I must get in. This is it. This is the beginning. Come on. Jesus deals with Martha's doubt in verse 26. Even though she was skeptical, she responded and her faith began to rise. Then when he gets there, Jesus loves her enough to say, well, she can't receive the full promise with the skepticism that's on her. So I'm gonna deal with her doubt a little bit. I'm gonna bring her up to another level 
Even though she showed a level of faith, there's different measures of faith. There's times that Jesus looked at his disciples and said, why is it that you have little faith? There were other times he looked at them and said, why is it that you have no faith? Then he looked at certain ones, like the little widow woman who said, no greater faith than all of Israel have I seen in this person. Come on. So he's saying in order to get her out of skepticism into full faith to where she can receive, he starts building her faith and says, whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. You believe us this? Oh, now he's getting into the nitty gritty about who he is. Notice how that Mary, faith rises, it builds, it grows, but it's growing in portions. It's growing in segments. And she avoids answering that question about, do you really believe that ever who, ever who believes in me will never die? Do you believe that? She's kind of like Ezekiel when God asked him, do you really believe that this valley of dry bones, these bleached white bones that's been out there for years can actually live again? And he says, well, you know, he says, Lord, if you say so. No, do you believe, Ezekiel, that these can, well, if you, believe, if you say so. Do you really believe? And he says, well, Lord, thou knowest. I don't know. He confessed. I don't have full confidence in it, but, you know, you're the one that knows that answer. And here is Martha trying to not say, yeah, I believe everybody that trusts in you is going to live again because that puts her faith in, that puts her faith in a challenge. Do you really believe he's going to come out of that grave today? I'm going to ask you, do you really believe you're going to start seeing the grave shake? Do you really believe you're going to see the stone begin to roll away and the door of opportunity begin to happen? Do you really believe that on your, on your miracle? Look at Martha's statement of faith when Jesus finally gets her to believe in verse 27. She says, yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which come into the world. Notice here, and I'm going to be coming to a close in a minute. Though Martha did not understand it all, none of us understand everything that's going to happen here today, yet Jesus took her from a dreamer to a visionary. How do I know that? He took her out of the future and placed her in her present. She even said, you are the one that should come. In other words, that was, a, that was looking into the future, but she says, now, here you are standing before me. That's the present. She said, I was believing in this thing in the future about you coming, but you have showed up. So now you're in my present. Jesus took her out of her past and became more than just a memory for her. Jesus took her out of her future and became more than just a dream. But Jesus placed her in the present and became her reality. Jesus don't want you to be his, your, his, your memory and he does not want you to be his dream. He wants, he wants himself to be your reality. Is Jesus your reality today? Do you believe in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ? Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe in healing? Do you believe that he's your reality in all things? Look at what Martha said in verse 22. Powerful. Oh, I'm about to cry. <laughs> but I know that even now, Say now. now. I believe even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Huh? She's believing now. Hey, how can you not believe? You went out and met him. He dealt with your doubt. He dealt with your fear. He spoke words into you. built your faith. And all of a sudden, your past fades away. Your future fades away. And all of a sudden, standing before you, you're like them on the Mount Transfiguration. All I see is Jesus. And I see him clearly. He's in my reality. He's where I live. Though I'm in pain, though I'm in suffering, though there's circumstances, though hell assails me, yet I see Jesus in my present. He's a brother that is, he's, he's, he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He'll never leave nor forsake me. He's here, he's here, he's here. Where two or three are gathered in his name, he's in the midst of them. Look at verse 28. Martha went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly saying, the master's come and he called it for thee. I don't have time to preach all that because I feel like we're, we're coming to a time we need to move. I just want to interject this because I got a lot on it. Is that number one, sometimes we got to understand that even when we begin to see God in Jesus in our reality, we got to help other people see Jesus in their reality. Martha says, huh, oh, Mary's sitting at home fretting, angry, upset. She's got it all wrong. You know how many people that's got a mental picture of the church and it's all wrong? 
They're critical. They're bitter. They don't see things in the right light. They're negative about everything. And, you, you know, they don't understand business. They don't understand how church works. They don't understand. They're, they're just wrong. They're just not clear in their vision. And the problem of it is because Jesus is not really in their reality. When Jesus is in your reality, you see men all clearly. And you see things clearly. And you see the scope of what God's doing. Confusion is brought about because you're not seeing Jesus in your reality. Come on. And here's Jesus sending, because the Bible says that Martha goes and gets Mary and it says, the master calleth for thee. Jesus says, oh, Martha, I'm gonna respond to you, I love you. Mary's doubt and anger towards Jesus did not cause Jesus to love Mary any more or less than Martha. Neither should it cause the church to be skeptical of the doubter to where we're more holier than thou. We got it together. He don't have no faith. It ticks me off to hear somebody always challenge. You don't have no faith, brother. If you blah, blah, blah. Oh, it makes me mad. All that is is condescending self-righteousness that brings condemnation upon somebody. I can't stand it when we, people come to the house of God and they think they're better than everybody else and they see you out on the streets and they won't, they won't even treat you as a brother, hug your neck or anything because they're embarrassed to be around you because your image and your picture is not perfect. And then we go around trying to keep this picture all painted up and look good so that people will respond to us and like us and we're afraid to show our vulnerability and our humanity. I'm here to tell you, show your humanity, show your vulnerability because God loves you the way that you are. And even though that you're a doubter sitting in the house, he loves loves you and he's going to try to draw you with every measure he can to give you the same possibility that Martha has. Amen. Randy West ticks me off. I don't know how he does it, but I always preach on Sunday mornings most of the time and he preaches a lot on Sunday nights so I get to preach first and when I do, he'll come in. You make me so mad. You're all over my messages. That and he just... It's hard to follow that. They're going to think I copied you or whatever. I just smile and I rub it in. Where's David Thomas? David, I don't like you no more. <laughs> Randy had asked David Thomas to do the devotion last week night. He said, I can't because I'm in connect class. If you would have asked, told me that, I would have got you out of connect class. <laughs> Why? Because David would have been able to preach. And Randy gets up there Sun, uh, Wednesday night, and what does he preach on? All this faith stuff and the man that was carried. And, and I thought, he's destroying my sermon. Why is he doing that for? There just simply comes a time that there are people that are not on the same level of faith that you are, and it's our job to help them respond by going after them, Amen. affirming them, ed, uh, encouraging them, loving them. A, a, a discipling them, giving them the word. A, yeah, correct them when we need to correct. But it's our job to do that. Amen? And that's her job. She goes, the master called her for the, isn't it ironic? They're the one petitioning Jesus and before it was over, it was Jesus petitioning them. It's odd how that we can spend hours and months in prayer and then when we get here, Jesus shows up and he's saying, well, where are you at? I've came. Hey guys, I wake up. I'm here as a result of your petition. What do you need? We don't even recognize him here. Well, he's out there. What does he want? No faith. Martha goes in and says, hey, the master called thee. And before long, to make a long story short, I ain't got time to preach it. Mary goes out. They go to a tomb where their brother's at. And Jesus says, roll back the stone. And they roll, that's a process. That was a process of time. They had to obey, they had to walk out faith. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And here come Lazarus, their brother, out of the grave. And Martha and Mary both got to experience their miracle that day. Whether you're a Martha or whether you're a Mary, God loves you and he wants to show you his miracle today. I want all of my ministers, 
every elder that feels comfortable of laying on their hands, all of my altar workers, my staff, every staff member, I want you to come up here and line up. We're gonna believe in some miracles today. You got time with me? Come on, move fast. Come on, we gotta move. My counsel. Today is your day. Quit looking at your past and all of the disappointments to where you can't believe in the possibility and the opportunity that stares you in the face today. Quit pushing it off and saying, well, it'll happen in my future. It's gonna happen another time and another place. Well, I've done prayed about that. We've done submitted that to it. It don't matter how many times you prayed about it. If you're in the starting gate already, then finish up here today and receive your miracle. I want every Martha and I want every Mary that's trying to hold on to a promise of seeing something happen and you need a miracle, I want you to come up here and I want you to go on to some of these people you got faith in. Let them anoint you with oil. Let them pray over you. Help them, let them believe for you that God is going to, you get specific and tell them exactly what you need. Tell them what you need that they'll pray with you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And saints, you better be ready. Lay hands on them and believe in the name of Jesus. Randy, I want you to be a floater. Just go behind them and just lay hands. Just, just be, pray for multiple people. Pray for Cheryl first. Hallelujah. Today is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice therein. Today's the day of possibility. I've searched the world But it couldn't fill me A man's empty praise And treasures that fade Are never enough And you came along And put me back together Is now satisfied here in your love. Oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing is better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Better than you, Lord, there's nothing Better than you, Lord, there's nothing Nothing is better than you Well, I'm not afraid To show you my My failures and flaws, Lord, you've seen them all, and you still call me friend. Cause the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. And there's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again. Better than you, Lord, there's nothing better. 
praise in this house. God's so good. God's so merciful. Don't let the devil get on your back and try to convince you of anything different than what you receive. Hallelujah. Those that are hurting and those that maybe haven't received their breakthrough, love on them. You know, in the, in the realm of reality, it's easy for me to believe that God will heal a cripple because I'm not crippled. It's easy for me to believe that God will heal the blind because I'm not blind. It's easy to believe that God will raise my brother from the dead because my brother's not dead, like Lazarus. So those of you that are not faced with the same circumstances, take your faith, help build somebody else's faith with it, and in return, your faith will also increase. Hallelujah. Just give the Lord a praise. Would you do that while we dismiss? Come on, give him the highest praise. Praise him like he's been here. Hallelujah. Yes. Oh, hallelujah. God bless you. Hug one another's neck. Tell people you love them. Lay hands on somebody and bless them in Jesus' name. God bless you today.